Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week, it's episode 40. Our guest is Robert Head of Hemp for Victory and Blue Cord Farms. It has been quite a week. It's getting hot here again in Texas. I don't know about anybody else, but um, I'm staying inside underneath an air conditioner vent for quite a bit. So let's uh, let's get our show going. How's everybody doing? Good, man. How are you guys? Awesome. It's um, yeah, it's hot as hell in Texas in June, essentially. So like, what else is new? Yeah, I got a bad feeling about this summer. No, dude, this summer is gonna be hot, y'all. It's gonna be, it's gonna be really, really hot one. Yeah. It's oh man, I think it was. At like 11 o'clock yesterday, it was like 98 degrees outside. I'm like, it's not June yet. Why is it like this? Right. 100%, man. And there's no reason for that. <laughs> this that is one of those summers. August is going to be brutal. Uh, dude, one of, this is going to be one of those summers that probably goes into October or something. We are, we are not, we, we have seen summers go into November before. All right. So like, and then immediately it gets cold in December. So like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Shorts and flip flops on on Halloween. Don't doubt that. Christmas Day. What are you talking about? That's <laughs> how we roll in Texas. It's <laughs> it's going to be lovely, you know. The kids are going to go out trick or treating. They're going to go out looking just fine, and going to come back with makeup dripping off their face and drenched in sweat. And like, what happened to you? Well, no. The walk <laughs> in in Texas in July October heat. That's right. Yeah. Sweaty hell. Yeah, I love when people who aren't from here like experience that for the first time, and they look at us and they're like, "How have you? How have you lived this your entire life?" And it's like, "Welcome to hell." <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It's like I don't know how we do it either. Every, yeah, every November I'm like, "Man, that sucks." <laughs> how did I do that? Good lord. We love it when the fall when we finally get fall because we're like, "Oh, great." Electric bill is going to finally go down. I can turn this air conditioner off. And then uh, January rolls around and we're like, oh, God, we're going to freeze to death because um, I've got to turn every electrical appliance on the house to try to get heat off of it to not freeze to death. And it's going to tax the grid too much. Heater, you have that smell. And you're like, what the hell is that? Something burning. Oh, wait, my heater's on. <laughs> so let's talk about hemp for victory. How's, how's that project coming along, Robert? <clears throat> yeah. So I kind of fell into that project. That was... Um, so when the pandemic hit, we were filming for the documentary and uh, Leaves of Passion, in which we finally finished up our first episode. We decided to split it up into five episodes. And while we were filming it, uh, we got a lot of great video. And then the pandemic hit. Uh, and then, you know, just a few other issues that happened. We were just unable to finish it. Uh, it took us about eight or nine months to get the film back. And then we started back on the film. But during that period of time, I really didn't do very much. Like most of us, I think everybody was kind of shut down for a while. And a, and a friend of mine reached out to me named Todd Scatini, and he was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. And he asked to uh, see if I would help put on an event at the Texas Live during the Army and the U.S. Air Force game. And said, yeah, definitely, we can do it. I said, if you can find the, you know, the resources, I can put it together. And he did. So we wound up doing this thing in Texas Live. It was a big, big event. Awesome. I think you were there. Uh, and it went over great, you know, Texas live, which is a very big institution. We were long there with USAA, uh, and then we had West point and the air force Academy that were also there. We had a chance to meet with all those people. 
they were very, uh, and the whole party was about hemp for victory. And the idea behind it was that we had hemp was legalized to support the war effort during World War II. And it needs to be legalized. Cannabis in general needs to be legalized to help support the effort in taking care of our veterans who are, you know, overprescribed and uh, overmedicated and leading to, you know, suicide deaths and, uh, and multiple uh, medical issues. So the, the, the whole hymn for victory after the party was such a success, uh, we kind of decided to do something else in South by Southwest. But because it was so close, uh, that's it's South by Southwest is really something you have to start planning uh, in a, in a lot, much longer period of time. Way ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah back, way back ahead here. of time. We just didn't have enough time, but we did enjoy it. We were, they reached out to us to have and put together a, um, you know, the panels and things for next year. So what we started to think was like, you know, what we ought to do is we need to brand this as an education nonprofit for veterans. Uh, in the manner that what we're doing is we're educating the community and, and people around us and workshops, things like that about how cannabis, what cannabis is and how it is helping vets, right? Either through, we talk about the entire medicinal aspect on the human body, and then we throw in how we throw in examples of veterans and their post-traumatic stress or using cannabis over pain and seeing their opioid use go down. These are things that we can parallel the education with to, to kind of show and in along with that we're also doing a workshops online uh panels that are just real pinpoint right they're not going to be cover a lot of things they're going to cover maybe one or two like we have one that we're working on right now where it's going to be a, a panel of uh, three vets talking about the medication they've been uh, prescribed and two doctors are there that understand these prescriptions and the and the the procedures in which these prescriptions are prescribed, the checks and balances and everything else. And then we get into the same topic about the medication they're receiving for all the after effects or the side, excuse me, the side effects of the original medication. And then we start throwing in cannabis on what medication was taken away once they started using the cannabis. And the reason why we do this is it's a simple back and forth. We're trying to get this complicated situation uh, to easy dosage so people can understand. And having these online discussions brings out a lot of interesting questions. It starts to raise people's, uh, you know, eyes when they start to they start thinking in a different manner about cannabis. And that's kind of our goal, right? As people get educated, like all of us, when we got educated about cannabis, we became far more interested in it, and it became less demonized. And that's it, right? And so we t- we guess we chose the marathon long road. We said, hey, we're going to stick to education. But the, the focus, like I said, is just like workshops and we're going to do help put on uh, classes and things for universities, you know, where, where we introduce coursework and things of that nature. So there's a lot that we're going to try to pu- push. And alongside with that is we're going to include uh, we're going to include uh, police officers and firefighters, you know, first responders, because there's a lot of overlap, tons of overlap in my case and in, in, in most of these cases I see. There's a lot of overlap where we're dealing with the same issues, right? One's maybe in wartime in the Army, the Navy, the Marines, and the Air Force. The other one may be down, you know, patrolling Oakland or something. So, and, and it means that PTSD is PTSD. Chronic pain is chronic pain. How you got to those ailments doesn't really matter as much as it is where you're going afterwards, how you're dealing with it. Well, and so- if you're... We're also dealing with an issue and overlap. What you're talking about now is that um, law enforcement, because we just pushed pushed an article out just moments before we started recording 
um, the guy who runs Thrive is a former SWAT officer out of Fort Worth. And it's we both come from these departments, veterans and police officers, of being in a community that says, this is evil, this is bad. You don't do this. Right. This ruins your life. That's an excellent point. Uh, and the officers that I know that have gotten into the activist role for cannabis, a lot of them, you know, they're the same uphold, uphill battle that we have, right? So if you think about it in, in, in just in that regard, for the Department of Defense, right, everybody down, all the field officers and everything else, they're probably all like, hey, you know, if it was legal, I wouldn't give a shit, right? I'm not going to go, you know, all for it, but I'm not going to say anything because I got a boss that probably get mad. You know, that's kind of where their mentality is. And the higher you go, you, you're getting le- you're getting more pushback. No, we're not going to listen to you. No, we're not going to listen. But now what we're seeing is the senior command is starting to listen. Even on my board of directors, I got a retired major general. And one of our focuses in our workshops is to put these workshops on for the DOD and the VA so that we can educate the senior command there about what cannabis actually is. And then when legislation goes through, they're better prepared to send it down to their troops and disseminate that kind of information. This is very important. And I don't, and we knew that there's probably a lot of people out there that are trying to do something similar. And then I'll tell you what, the, the activist role shows and just has so many hats and you can't wear them all. And it's so important for their, for everybody who's doing their thing. And I, I love the thing about the cannabis industry is that there's such unique activists, right? For children, for disabled veterans, for, for the elderly, for, for certain, uh, uh, for epilepsy and everything else. And I, what I love about that is that we're all fighting the same fight, but on different fronts. And these different fronts really do matter to people. And I think the people's, the, the, the wool's getting pulled away from their eyes. And the people in general, the 400 million Americans that are here are starting to see that this was really taken away from us and we could have been a much healthier place had we had stopped with the medication and maybe promoted better eating and promoted better health and promoted better exercise, you know, instead of, you know, promoting McDonald's during the halftime show. Or, you know, we're starting to realize that our that we could have been healthier, we could have been living better. You know, it's alcoholics probably couldn't have been alcoholics. Maybe child abuse victims wouldn't have been child abuse. Maybe dad would have been a stoner instead of a drunk. I don't know. But there's a lot of things, there's a lot of what ifs in there. And I think the wool being pulled back is showing them that. I, I really do. I think that this is, the education will definitely be the push. And the education coming from a veteran's perspective and a veteran's voice, right, with people who are, who are you know, professors at elite universities, and that, that have great credentials that are speaking is one. And then bring, we're going to bring different groups in together. We're going to do different projects with groups. Uh, we know that just since doing this, Texas VFW, the IVA, uh, people like, uh, and I don't want to say so many people's names because they haven't said yes officially, but there's a lot of groups out there who, and I'll tell you, like Black Rifle uh, Coffee Company, right? They supported it as well. Because it's helping reduce the suicide rate. So there's a lot of large companies that are coming out saying, this is okay. And you go after them. You're like, hey, if you think it's okay, then you need to put your money where your mouth is. Because we're trying to get all this stuff doesn't come cheap. Right? If you're going to write course material for universities, it doesn't come cheap. If you want to profit off this, it doesn't come cheap. This is where your investment really should lie. And so, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. 
we're excited about what we've kind of put together. It's taken a couple of months to do. Uh, there's a lot of like ins and outs to it. Uh, we got a great board. It took, it took about four months to find the board. We know all about that. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. That's all about a hard like part, man, but it's a very, very important part. It like took, it took up, about six months for uh, something like that. <clears throat> yeah, setting up. And I got lucky, too, because we have an advisor. He used to be the advisor to the Canadian Cancer Society or used to be the executive director. And he is uh, helping us uh, put this together. It's very important to him. And I'm really excited about it. You know, it's one of the reasons, like I said, we do a lot of behind the scenes. And like I said, when I say behind the scenes, it means it's usually outside of social media. And uh, and we will do far more social media in the going future. Um, we're definitely we're going to release the, the the documentary today. And then we're going to uh, continue to use that platform for our Him for Victory YouTube page for the other episodes that we're going to finish up. And also anybody else that wants to be able to use that platform for a, you know, if they've done some good research and they got a good documentary, they, they have a show that they want to put on and it's got good, good material. Then, you know, by all means, put it on there. Um, so we're, you know, we got a lot of cool things we're trying to work on, but sometimes it seems like, cause you don't put anything out there. Like, man, he ain't doing shit. <laughs> In the social media is in that for the social media world, that's kind of true. You know, it's like everything's on a 24 hour cycle and a post is only good for really 24 hours. Right. And then like, if you don't post for like a week, man, people just forget about you. And so mm -hmm. you have to be you know, in the social media side of things. You have been constantly going. Yeah. And, um, that's just not how the real world really works. Right. Like, it, you well, know, the there are people will forget about you. You spend three yeah. days away from it. And Facebook's like, who are you? What are you doing? Right. Nobody well, cares about you. Facebook, you know, uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, I I do agree. You got to constantly. But what I'm trying to do right now is like build the vessel for which that's going to be seen. And right. it's just um, it's almost complete, right? What, you know, there's a few other things as you as you can create it. It's a slow creation, but as you get it going, then then you start picking up up steam. What you don't want to do is bite off more than you can chew because you can never keep up right. like, like for me my first focus is my family right. so everything that i do is basically because i'm a stay-at-home dad right i just happen to do that. this on my side time this is what i do for for um because i i think it needs to be done that's that's it right i'm just a good person want to try to do a good thing this is how i'm doing it. um but i'm a stay-at-home dad i've been one for a long time pretty good deal i like it my bride does great she's awesome uh, but someone's got to take care of the kids. Someone's got to take care of the house and everything like that. I want that deal. It's a great deal, man. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not one of those guys that are like, no, Hey, I got my combat stripes. I got no, I, there's no male thing. having to none of that. I love it. It's great. I get a chance to be with the kids all the time, but it is, it's hard. You know, it's, it's hard work and you, you don't get paid for it, but, um, that's my first focus, right? That's my family. That's my first focus. And everything I try to do afterwards. So I so I know it's important to try to do as much and I make sure that I don't put too much on my plate. Because what I want to do, I want to do well. You know, it's more important that I do well than it is that I know that people know my name and I have a lot of likes or followers. It's more important that I do something well and try to, you know, and that's why I gotta do I gotta do my family well first. Then my my other things I gotta do well too. Right. So I try not to take away from it. It's hard though, you know, that's it is. that's tough because People, I think you depend on you to do things. And then if you pull back or you don't quite get it done and 
or maybe you don't get it on the timeline that you feel like you should. That time, you know, that can kind of eat at me as well. But part of what I've learned with my son's turning 10 this year and doing this is that it's like, yes, it's like you said, it's family first, but I have found ways to incorporate this into the well being of like my son and showing him it's like, hey, you know, if you put the skills you know and the things you've learned to work, you put things like the video production and you set these things up and you learn and practice at them that over time you'll get better with them. And then mm -hmm. it takes time. This isn't something you're going to get on a social media platform or a video streaming platform and immediately just start seeing numbers churn out left and right. That's not happening. It takes time. It takes patience. It's diligence and it's work that you've got to put into it. And I want to be able to show him that. Well, that's where, you know, that's, that's wisdom that you're teaching them too, because that experience over time is where I learned that, you know, I, I never really fit into society's category, right? I think none of us did. Uh, I, it wasn't always to the left. It wasn't always to the right. I was kind of in the middle, but, you know, I didn't really care about being liked as much as any other people, or that was always a little bit off. <laughs> You know, maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way. I don't know, but I refit into anybody's thing. So I always wind up realizing that, you know, how do you like to live? You know, how do you do your life? Are you able to stick to something for a long period of time? Or are you like me? Like you have ADHD. You can't do that all the time. Not stick in anything for really a very long time. Right. Really what I learned to do was to have multiple projects. Like I do quick projects, right? Texas Live, everything else. So, you know, you set up the foundation that I can execute that off of, and I can do all these little projects. Boom, 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 boom. And it, it allows me to continue to be my weird self in a good way, I guess. <laughs> it's like in this, this for me, it's like I, I love talking to people. It's yeah. just, I'm just, I'm a very sociable person. I'm very extroverted when it comes to these types of things. And I've always been fascinated with video audio stuff. So it's like, this is right. how I can, I can put my mind to work. And not just be scattered all over the place. And my son's he's showing the same things. And it's like, hey, kiddo, this is, he said that wisdom. is like, this is how you can channel all of this and still be productive. Mm -hmm. right. And actually, and even do a service to the community, which is giving the community access to uh, people that they may not otherwise have that kind of intimate access to. And so, and thanks for being here, Bobby, because... Um, you know, that's really what our point is, is to, to get out there, talk to people, have these conversations, um, see what's happening in the community and, and just dive, continue to dive in deep. So thank you for being here. Oh yeah. I love this. I've always like, I've always liked talking to you guys. I've done a lot of them in the past. Well, <laughs> it is, it is that time. We are going to go into our first sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week it is episode 40. Our guest this week is Robert Head of Blue Cord Farms and Texas is Hemp for Victory. We will be right back after these quick messages.
Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas, a full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas, from traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week, it is episode 40. Our guest this week is Robert Head of Blue Cord Farms and Hemp for Victory. I can't do it the way we used to do it. I used to be able to just randomly show Austin dancing to whatever song I had playing, and we can make a joke about it, such as um, I played Goodbye Horses, and uh, Austin was doing like the Buffalo Bill dance. On camera, <laughs> I like music. He's breaking it down. Yeah, man, I'm all about it. How How does it feel to be 40? Me, I'm 46. Yeah, I know, but you're episode 40, so you get to go back in time now. Oh yeah, well that's right. Well, we're also doing a cannabis podcast, so I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> man, just super jazzed you're here, man. I really appreciate uh, you know me and you, but we have a lot of history. We go back to I think 2017. Um, and you know, the, the, the landscape was just so much different back then. And now here we are, but a lot of people probably don't know you the way that I know you. So Mm -hmm. if you can, you just give a little bit of background, maybe tell us a little bit, a little bit about your time in the army and then, you know, how you kind of came into cannabis. Yeah. Well, I got into cannabis in, um, 2016. I uh, was spent about five and a half years in the army. Got in right before 9-11. Like I raised my hand before 9-11 and like 9-11 happened a couple of days later, a day later. I was like, yeah, we should. <laughs> and why? Yeah. So my, I went into the infantry and my first unit was the first unit to be uh, trained for combat. 
went to my first unit and we want to go and deploy to uh, Iraq. Now, I spent my entire time in Iraq. So I spent a total of 29 months over there in Iraq, Baghdad and Taji. And I think combined, I probably lost about 12 guys total while we were over there. And then I've lost far more than that uh, since we've been back. And as, I think the, when it got to a point where a lot, we lost another buddy of ours who he had, he was a game designer and he was working on something he had to do with one of our missions or one of our appointments. And then we went to bed and he said, he, from what, what I read, he had had a prescription for sleep and a prescription for pain. And he just took them too close together. He didn't wake up. So that kind of really scared the shit because I was not getting good sleep and I've been drinking to get sleep. So a lot of us were drinking to sleep and take care of the PTSD. And of course that led to a lot of other health problems. I wind up reaching out to somebody and they said, uh, yeah, you ought to try smoking marijuana. I was like, I don't want to get high. I want to get better. They're like, no, 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 you don't get it. You don't get it. But somebody they sent me some fish oil. What I, what they look like, not fish oil, but they were cannabis pills. They look like fish oil pills. To me, it's fine. Yes. And I had my, uh, at the time I had my small group, Bible study was over and I took a pill uh, before they got there. And then like when they got there, I realized like, holy shit, I'm stoned. <laughs> this is awesome. And I'm sitting there listening to everybody and I'm all happy. And then I realized like for weeks after that, I would um, take it periodically and I was drinking far less. Like a week later, I realized I hadn't had much to drink. I'd gone a couple of days without having a drink. I didn't realize it. And I was drinking more water. I was starting to feel better. And then like a month went by and I realized I was almost all, I was, my pain medication was down, cut in half. So it really had been a, a game changer for me in my life. And then my relationship with my wife and kids, everything else got a lot better. So as that change happened, I decided that I know I wanted to get a part of it, right? So I want to try to start my own farm. Well, I, I reached out to a buddy of mine who I served with. He was growing some marijuana up in Maine. He had, and he had a license to do it, just to do for, for himself and a small amount. And then we got a bigger license and got built some greenhouses and you know, I had a couple of years where we were uh, growing marijuana and selling marijuana and, and all legal up in Maine. It was amazing. It was cool. We helped out a lot of vets. We had a lot of uh, veterans of our customers and it was really fun. Um, but because you can't use banks and, and all sorts of issues, we wound up having to close down. And I continued to do some work down here in Texas. I was always kind of an activist. And that's kind of like the 2017 when we met. And uh, I began wanting to just speak up about it, right? So it was important for me to, that if I was going to do this, I should also be a part of the, the movement as well. Well, I wanted to become more part of the movement than I did my <laughs> making the money in the, in, the, in the farm. And it just became something that I, I enjoyed doing. I didn't really care for so much the lobby aspect of it going to Austin, and, and I, which I didn't really mind Austin as much. I didn't care for the interaction with the politicians and the legislation aspect of it as much as I enjoyed doing events and talking to the people about it. And that's where I found to be the best joy, right? Is that you started to talk to these people and all of a sudden they're telling you, yeah, you know, my uncle or my sister or somebody or my husband or somebody is using, they know somebody and they feel, you know, they don't know what to think about it anymore because now it's no longer a, a, a drug that a drug they got busted for. Now it's something that their dad's feeling better or their uncle's feeling better and he's changed his life. So that hits a person much, de much differently, much differently. And that became something I felt like, you know, um, we could work with. I mean, I'm not very good at the legislation aspect of it. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I'm the complete opposite. I'm not a politician, man. I'm just a horrible politician. I cuss when I shouldn't. I say shit that people don't want to say that needs to be said. 
I I care about the people. I don't care about the parties. <laughs> I'm the really sailor do. here. That's and, the funny thing to me. Because of that, right? Because of that, we wound up doing like the, the um, some of the stuff that we've done together, right? Um, you know, we've had a couple little events, you know, at the BFW and a few other things that we did that was a lot of fun. No, it was at the American Legion. Yeah, and the Legion. And so there's been a lot of great things that we've been able to put together and do. And you know, doing the documentary was a lot of fun. That was a good time. Uh, that it really, like, you put a different perspective on on editing. Like, what takes so long putting a movie together? Oh, it's the editing. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. the film. That's the easy There is part. a reason why this podcast is done this way because I do not want to take the time to throw all this together, post and edit. It is just it time is consuming. So time consuming. So you know Eric Espinosa. Yes. Film fries. So he and I have been working. We got the we got all of the film from Hustle Hustle from Eric from uh Tyler Sloan and uh Bo. They've been they've had it all and, and they've been on to other things too that clogged up for time. They just didn't have the time to to, to complete it. And so when we got it back, there was like three terabytes worth of film we had to go through. And once you f- go through all that, and then we found out, okay, well, what, what's the best way to do this? One show or, or a couple of shows? And it came down to like five shows, right? We did five of these shows, and each one would be about 20, 25 minutes long. And I felt like, you know, that's about right. That that kind of gives people enough attention, right? Because, you know, today's are t- you're like my my attention is like squirrel. You're fucking. You're out of there, right? About thirty minutes is about all you got. So we said we do about twenty minutes. The first one is pretty much an overview of what the issue is, right? It's called illegally alive, and then the second one is called our argument, and that's the actual argument. What cannabis is? Why? What sense does some of this legislation make? What are some of the conflicting laws that we're doing? You know, we say one thing, but we're doing this, and. We kind of dive into that. And then the third one is about all the veterans. And uh, we're, we'll have to come through and we'll do some extra filming because things have to be updated, right, uh, as we get going. But we, we thought, like, you get, this is my first time, so it absolutely sucks. It's all on me, right? My bad. <laughs> but I tried to do the best we could with, with, with everything that we had. It was just Eric and I would go in, like, every week we'd meet. And for three hours a week, we would sit on our free time and knock this stuff out. And it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Eric and I got real close, with good friends, and enjoyed working with them. And I, I really hope that it does well and that people like it, uh, and that it kind of gets people questioning things, asking some stuff. This is not a not a red or blue thing. I mean, this is a straight up. This needs to be taken care of. And it doesn't matter what party you're for. You don't have the right to league to make this plan illegal. You haven't proven to me it's dangerous to make it illegal. You did that falsely. We need to read to walk that back. And right now, the, to get it legalized, is, it, it's confusing. And I get why it's so confusing. Like looking at a plate of spaghetti and trying to find the end. That's how hard it is to correct this. But it can be corrected. Well, it's time that we go into our next sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. And this is episode 40. My co-host this week, Austin Zamhari, our guest for episode 40 is Robert Head for Hemp for Victory and Blue Cord Farms. We'll be right back after these sponsored messages. Inside, inside. Inside, right. 
Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas, a full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Heat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. We had a little bit of a hiccup for a moment, but we have rectified this and we will continue on. This is episode 40. Our guest this week is Robert Head. I'm joined by co-host Austin Zamhari. How is everybody doing now? We've got this sorted out. Yeah, baby. How we do it? Good. Good. Uh, loving the conversation so far. It's been... Um... You know, it, it, it for, for just coming off of Memorial Day, I thought it was fitting to to have a veteran to have a veteran on and and, and talk about Texas and veterans. And so, uh, thank you for being here again, Bobby. Yeah, anytime, brother. Anytime. anytime. How, what what do so what you guys are both veterans? What do veterans do? Like, what do y'all do for Memorial Day? Is there like a something special or like? I, I, I guess, I guess it depends on the vet. Um, I personally, every, every Memorial day, I, I usually take a shot and put a shot on the mantle and, you know, salute to it. That's just for me, but I do that. And then just the normal, you know, day hang out with the family. Sometimes we'll go lay reeves. We do a lot of that during the Christmas time to delete, you know, we will lay reeves or we'll, we'll do things of that nature. A lot of times during Memorial day weekend, which is one of our few weekends free, um, during the springtime because of Isaiah's baseball. We usually want to go in somewhere or just kind of laying low. But I always have something that I do, I think, for the brothers that I lost and my two tours. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who probably do something. I don't know whatever that what they do, but I know that's what I do. What do you do, Jesse? I can't hear him. No, man. He's going to be so mad when he finds out. I and I realized <laughs> I had my mic muted. <laughs> <laughs> So what what do you do on um, uh, I usually um 
I usually I used to barbecue. I don't know why I didn't this year. It just wasn't on my mind. Um, it's been weird because uh, school, my kid's school just got out last Friday. So it definitely was, it was one of those weekends of, it's like, I, I want to have some relaxed time. I just kind of want some off time. I don't want to have to wake up early. Um, I had family come in from out of town. My brother came in from Louisiana, uh, his wife and kiddos. They went to go visit my niece down at San Marcos. So we all piled in the car Sunday, visited them when they came in, had a birthday party for my grandnephew. And then Monday it was, I went and handed a signature. I had one sheet, a signature for Mono Amiga for the signature drive they're turning in. I was like, well, I don't want that weighing on me that I didn't get this. Even if it's one signature, I didn't get this turned in. Right. So I drove down there. I was like, well, I'll go visit family. Took my kid down there. I was like, let's go out to Playscape. They've got this giant playground. Like, a, looks like a pirate ship and a mountain. It's, it's probably like a good acre-sized lot with playground on it. Cool. And kiddos love it. I figured these kids coming from Louisiana, they're they live out in West Monroe. There isn't much to do in West Monroe, Louisiana. It's just Louisiana. Unless it's New Orleans, just Louisiana. To be no. The rest of it. Baton like There's Shreveport, there's Baton Rouge, and then there's Monroe, West Monroe. That West Monroe is like the next thing up. And it's like, hey, guess what? The rest of it's just Louisiana. They, they don't have no green Texas. They don't know nothing about like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, actually, here in about 48 hours, 48 hours from now, or no, it, it, on Friday, right about this time, I will be going through Louisiana. So, mm-hmm. um, love our neighbors to the east for sure. Yeah, they're good people. They definitely have a better medical program than we do. <laughs> That's better. what everybody does. Like, yeah. it's, like, it's Idaho. Yeah, well, Oklahoma's considering going recreational. Yeah, they've got two different. They've got two different competing ballots that are um, they're trying to gain signatures for, and it looks like both of them are going to get their required signatures. Yeah, I got a feeling that at least one of them will make it on the ballot. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, so, I don't want to count my chickens before it hatches, but if that does happen, that puts a rec- that puts what two recreational in New Mexico is already a, like it's already a mess. Like mm-hmm. these guys are putting dispensaries literally as close to the Texas border as they can. It is. Yeah, they're doing. The, they're going to do the same thing up in uh, Oklahoma. They are. They, they've already got the dispensaries there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you just head north on thirty-five. The minute you get into Thackerville, it's like five. Yeah, there's one off the right hand, left hand side. Yeah, they're like they're everywhere. Yep. And low key, I've heard, and I don't know a lot about OMMA, which is the the cannabis regulating um, entity in Oklahoma. But I hear that you can go up to Oklahoma and you can contact certain doctors or companies and they will issue you temporary or out-of-state residency cannabis cards. And it doesn't even matter where you're from. And you can immediately take that and go into – so I'm, I'm planning on doing a little investigation myself see if I can just get a temporary Oklahoma medical marijuana card you know, from some of these, some of these guys I've heard about on the street. And you know, they make a fun, they make a fun little uh, bit on leaves of passion. Would be like, just uh, hey, let's go up there and let's see if we can go through the whole. Let's take a, a see how long it takes us to get through the whole thing, buy something and and, and leave and see what right. that actually looks like. Like walk through you and I both go through and do, and that that'd be kind of fun, you know. I, I, I've heard it can be done, uh, and, and I'll, I'll say it right here. Uh, you, 
in everybody in the state of Texas is a fool if they don't think Oklahoma cannabis is like pouring into Texas right now. Oh, no, of course it is. Not, they're getting good too. They're getting much better. They're getting much better. A lot of people came to, when Oklahoma was legal. There was a lot of people that came here to wanted to help growers and growers that've been doing it for a long time were coming out of the woodworks. And so, you know, there's gonna be a lot of good things that'll come out of Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma is just that's a, that's a unique place. They want to legalize cannabis and then completely uh, outlawed abortion all in the same year. <laughs> like, like, what's it, man? You guys are the friendliest, craziest. Oklahoma, yeah, it's what you guys it's are. Y'all, y'all are crazy. I mean, y'all live by a whole set of rules over there. Yeah, but that and, and that presents a problem for Texas, right? Like yeah. we. If if Oklahoma does leave, and Arkansas is also in the same situation. I know that Arkansas is only just like a little tiny part of our shared border space, but uh, yeah, you know, but there's have, a lot of um, interstate commerce that goes in between. Right, I thirty goes up through Texarkana, and Texarkana mm-hmm. is a is a fairly and and <laughs> in Arkansas, Texarkana is one of the bigger towns in the state. Right, in Texas, it's like fiftieth, <laughs> and it stinks. And I love, dude. Hey, listen, Texarkana. You just got to find the right place. Yeah, right? You, isn't, that, isn't that the one with the paper mill plant? Like a huge paper mill plant. Yeah, I think so. Oh god, most of the paper mill plant stinks. Outside of that, you get away from that, it's good. Oh it's man, town. I mean, it's great. great I mean, it's a gorgeous area. Don't get me wrong. That paper mill plant. That's the thing I remember when people say Texarkana. That paper mill plant and driving by it every single time is what locks in my memory. And if you've never driven by a paper mill plant in the back in the old days, they stink. The one and I talked about it, it smells like burnt hot dogs, bologna, and like <laughs> it is so bad. It's so bad. But I don't I haven't been up to Texarkana in decades, so that's why I don't like I'm not gonna lie, like visiting my brother out in West Monroe, that's the reason why I don't like driving out there is he used to live about half a mile away from the damn paper mill plant. And I was like, Man, this oh god, god, dude, you gotta move. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Have you ever been near Paper Mill Plant, Austin? I've passed by them. Yes, yeah. it is not pleasant. It's it's not, but I'm like I said, I've been over there. I'm sure it's expanded quite quite a bit away from there, and I'm sure by this time, Paper Mill plants are a little bit better at their smell. And it's God. definitely, in mentioning Oklahoma, it's definitely it's pouring in from Louisiana as well. Now, there's yeah. no way anybody can say it's not either, because we talked about this a while back. You you get on I-10 or even. I-20 and you start getting in Louisiana, there's billboards saying, hey, hit us up. We've got medical cannabis. We're sitting in Texas waiting for you to get to Louisiana. I-10 is a huge highway that spans through Texas and on either side of it, on either side of it, Louisiana or New Mexico, there's cannabis that is being advertised to Texans that live in that area. And so it's like yeah, man. The, not the politician but the uh, p- the police agencies here in texas all of them are still pretty much good staunch against the legalization even as they're surrounded by it. it's almost like they've decided they're going to die on that hill but below them below the the elites of those uh of the police departments the sheriff's departments and the unions and those those general groups the ones that are that are in mid-level management right now are going to that next level do agree this is ridiculous we don't need to waste some time on it you guys don't have people signing up to be cops like you used to you have a huge problem with trust with the police especially right now 
you you really need to stop and you want to stop bad issues from happening. You need to stop going after people for little things, right? Let's not, uh, the, the police force and, and, and you know, you know and, and citizens too, we're going to kind of reevaluate what the police are there for. And we've learned a lot of, learned right, a lot of busting people for plants and, and pulling people over for, for stupid things so you, that you can collect money off of tickets is starting to make people upset, especially when you're not doing what you told us you were supposed to be doing in the first place. That's right. supposed to be protecting. And they're, they're going to be saying this. They're saying this right now. Get on the, any social media site you're go, and you're going to see it. So I, I think that they need to start taking a better look at what it is they're policing and go to the legislative process and say, hey, we, it's just a matter of time to the camel breaks, right? You have hundreds of laws in the books that we're supposed to police day in and day out. It's getting ridiculous. And I've been saying this for a long time, Austin. There are way too many laws in the book for any level man, level-headed person to have to police in one day. How many do you let go? Because you can't do them all, right? right. How do you make the judgment call which ones are good or bad? Well, why don't we just eliminate the ones that are pointless? Well, just the concept that they say, what is it, um, I'm not breaking the law. And it's like, well, if you drive around for at least five minutes, I'll find something you've done. Yeah. That's, that's how many traffic laws we have. I'll find something. It's like, how many of those are they not enforcing? And they're only there so that way when they want to pull you over for something, they have something that they can pull you over for just Correct. to leave something else. Yeah. So I think that the, the police agencies and those that are running their, uh, their lobbying efforts need to rethink this whole marijuana issue. You got bigger problems on your hand, big time, than marijuana big. issues right now. The marijuana oh. issue will sell, will, will level itself out. Support full legalization, and it'll level itself out. In thirty years from now, if you completely legal, about thirty years, you're going to have a generation just going to grow up with it. It's just there. It's not taboo. It's just there. We use it when we need it. It's just there. It's not about being popular anymore it's just it's part of our life like it is in jamaica like it isn't anywhere else that's a part of go to holland the cannabis is a part of their lives it's what you know we what do you use when you get older why do you want all that medication we just use cannabis because it's available you know we need to get back into that mentality but you can't get there with people so afraid they're, they're all this is all about fear all that's fear because they're uneducated they don't know you know, or they're trying to stay in power or they're trying to keep their party happy, which both are horrible. But <laughs> and, to what, and to what we talked about earlier with uh, veterans and coming from this this perspective of it's bad, it's evil. Um, to me, that fits in with how the police are still arguing to keep the law in the books. And we some of us have been this group here. We've been arguing, you know, it's not the cannabis that ruins a person's life. It's the police officer giving the charge, claiming, well, that ruins your life. I said, no, it's the charge itself. It's you throwing me in jail to where I now have a charge. I possibly have a conviction. I lose all these benefits like FAFSA or renting a home. And it becomes, it's like, I've, I've had veterans tell me, well, you realize the issue here is that you chose to break the law. Your choice is what ruined your life. And it's like, that's why we're trying to change the law. You already agreed that cannabis doesn't do it, that it's the choice to do it. Well, a lot of people don't really have that choice. If they want to stay functioning and healthy yeah. for themselves and their family, this is what works for them. 
So they're making this very bold choice, and you're telling me that you want to keep this on the books and throw the yeah, the it's not fair to get it. And it's not fair to our police force to put them in that position. You're always putting themselves no. in the line, their life on the line when they have to go after something for something so minuscule. You're also, you know, making people very uncomfortable around. If it was legalized, they wouldn't be so hesitant to work with cops and things of that nature, right? There's a lot of times where people. This is a lot. This is one of those uh, unique medicines that when people use, they usually those of us that use this like a medicine, and we don't really have anything else, right? There's nothing like a beer in the house, bottle of whiskey. We don't have a ton of prescription pills. Like, this is just what we use. And I don't want to call the cops for something small or like a, a disturbance unless I absolutely have to because I have a little pot in my house. That that shouldn't be, right? That shouldn't be. Because what if you did that little disturbance with somebody breaking into somebody else's house? So there's – now, granted, that may be very unlikely to happen, but don't let me get, don't let me get started on the statistical aspects of what cops have been using about pot, right? Like, Right. Right. We've got this pound of weed. It could have killed everybody in the neighborhood. What? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and it's worth 20,000 on the street. I fucking wish it was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, Only so they, they, they do a lot of skimming on, on the topic as well. Um, we There's a lot of work they need to do. There's a lot of work we need to do with them to educate them on this plant. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get there. Texas is just their corner. The people inside here want it. Uh, the we're getting the people are getting tired of the bickering between these two parties. Really tired of the bullshit bickering between these two I fucking think, parties. I personally think that part of it, part of their opposition, um, it comes when we talk about money, is that they budget that they're going to have these these arrests, these civil mm-hmm. asset forfeitures. Their their department to an extent is depending on this because. A little bit over a decade ago, we put police departments through austerity measures and during a recession. And we're possibly going to be seeing that again now that we're hitting another recession. And it's weird because, it's, like I said, a weird position to have the police in because people are very upset with the police funding. We've watched them buy military equipment. But at the same time, it's and like, not use it. <laughs> and it's like, sorry, I'm going to get livid on that point. Yeah, I'm no. on that fucking point. But at the same time, it's like, hey, if we want to see the police reform, and we want to see them change how things operate with them, it's going to require funding to do so. Yeah. And I, I say this from, I, I learned about this, my father-in-law's a officer in Puerto Rico with the state police there. And he mentioned, he's like, hey, the federal government mandated we had to change our behavior, but it required funding to do so. He's like, so we worked out getting the funding to change the training on how people operate to stay within people's constitutional rights. But we start talking about that here and people are like, oh, want to give money to the cops it's like how about we actually take some of the money we would make off this program and use it to train our police officers give it to was it cleat cleat's one of the organizations that helps train police and get them up to par i've tried to contact and put stuff in there and it's it's tough but but it's but i I always point out that it's strange how we changed the gun law in texas We, we get open carry without a permit and they know overnight that that law changed we put a medical cannabis bill in, we change our hemp laws, and we saw police departments going, what are you talking about, hemp? No such thing is legal. That's marijuana. It's not legal. Ain't, uh, nobody told me about it. The law didn't change. And it's like, how is it they know about the gun, but they don't know about 
the cannabis. Oh, did you see when they when they passed that law? Did you see the lesson that they had? I went to them with a much better lesson to teach about about that. that. And they said, no, this is what we got. And it was just like it was three pages that weren't really accurate. And at the end, it was some little drawing of this guy going, oh, 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 hemp for marijuana. That's what it was. I remember one to myself. I remember one thinks you brought your effort. You guys don't don't want us to come in and help out? Was that they were like, oh, the dogs will smell the difference between hemp and marijuana. And I remember you asking around going, hey, does anybody have any information on like the training of these dogs? And if anybody's found out that the dogs can tell the difference and the resounding answer was like other states had already proven. No, no, the dogs cannot tell the difference between the two. They're just trained to smell that chemical and that chemical is on all of these plants. Yeah, they're trying to tell me that they have, but I've not seen any evidence on it. No, it's it's impossible. (laughs) These these I mean, there's there might be better. Yeah, I can't positive. believe that they would have enough to, for it to uphold in court without, so, not, you know, I mean, they'd have to be able to, I just don't see it. I, I mean, I, I, my friend who's a, who has a drug dog and everything else, he says they're making, they're making uh, progress on it. They're getting better at it, but I don't think they're getting to the point where they can use it in the court of law. And I, I am a little hesitant to believe that, um, but we'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think by the time the drug dogs figure it out, it'll probably be be legal. Yeah, we got it. So it's kind of a moot point, but I do get, I, I, I get the, I get it. And it makes a good, the point in regards to explaining the issue here in Texas, right? That we we're we're trying to train drug dogs on a, on a drug that's 50% legal and 50% illegal, right? Yeah. All based off of a 0.3% that was an arbitrary number which no one's really discussed yet. And it's it seems to be just more about um, not their fear of losing votes. It has nothing to do with the safety of the, uh, of the community. It's just the fear of losing their old votes, that old money, I guess. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Or... You know, the fact that the being uneducated, like we heard at the veterans um, event in Colleen, when you had that guy out there talking, he said, you know, I, I don't want to do home grow because you can't control the, you know, you could make it have more THC uh, and, and just jump up the THC. Well, that's that's not true. That's kind of misleading because, you know, the, the, the strain only goes to 20 percent and it's only going to go to 20 percent. You can't unless you crossbreed it, which. People who can crossbreed and things of that nature, that takes money and it's expensive, right? This isn't just something you do in your backyard and I'm going to do and make a shit. That doesn't happen. Like to get money in this business, you have to have money to start with. No doubt. (laughs) Yeah. You ain't going to, you're not going to do this in a fucking grow tent. So they don't know these things. And because they don't know this, they vote no on that legislation. And it's um, just, you know, I don't know. I think it's something that people grew up with thinking that, you know, just losers do this and they're uh, they're not going to be the kind of people I want representing my country or my people or my school or my children. But the truth of the matter is, you know what? My kids are great I, and, and I don't have a problem. They, they don't have any issues. You know, they I don't I don't, I don't talk down to them. I don't treat them like they're my soldiers. I don't take them and drag them into church in the morning and then go home and get shit-faced to watch the game. 
right? Sorry, I'm a different dad. I'm a different dad. My kids are great. You get high in church, don't you? I love them. I help them out with their homework. I get them to figure out problems. I teach them how to figure out problems. I teach them to handle life. That's what I do, right? So how am I a bad person? How am I just because I, I use I use the service? There's thousands of us. There's millions of us that are like this. The people they're referring to are people they don't agree with political ideology, right? They're the they're the the Bill and Ted or the 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 um who's the guy Cheech and Chong, right? And even Cheech and Chong were just characters. The comedians behind them had successful careers, right? They were just characters. Yeah, those people actually exist, and those people will always exist. We can never do anything about them. You know, in our documentary, one of the professors in our documentary, he talks about there is no good or bad drug. There's good or bad relationships with drug, right? If I break my leg and I'm in the middle of the forest, some heroin would be really good to get me to safety. Now, it wouldn't be good to do every two every Tuesday at 2 o'clock, right, or oh. every single day for, the whole, for your whole life. What you talk about here – I sent an anger management group at one point and we talked mm-hmm. about somebody said they had a, a, a new method of going to sleep and it's some device they put on their ear. I'm like, oh, it's not addicting either. And I was like, okay, then you can stop using it tomorrow. You shouldn't have any problem with it, right? If you claim it's not addicting, he goes, I don't, I don't understand. I was like, it's this relationship. And the doctor goes, remember, I can point to a glass of water and tell you this is the most addicting substance on the planet. Try going without it for a week. And see how, see how crazy you go, what kind of withdrawals you get when you don't have this substance in your body. And it's the relationship you have with it, because you can definitely drink too much water as well. Yeah, you can be overhydrated. It's very easy. So too much of anything, and too much of a good thing is, is not good, right? If you're smoking 10, 12 joints a day, and you're living free rent, and you're stealing somebody else's food, you're a shit bag. Marijuana is <laughs> not the problem, right? Marijuana is not the fucking problem. You're a shit bag. It's like those people are like, you know, these guys who smoke pot, it just makes pot just makes people lazy. And like talking about like being stay at home dad. It's like, I don't need pot to make me lazy. Trust me. Don't need that to make me lazy. Not one oh, day. Oh, man. I got to, I'm a good lazy person. <laughs> you know, I, pot didn't make, I find that, you know what, it's, it, it, one of the best things it's done for me is allowed me to slow my anger down. And that's allowed me to, take in another person's point of view instead of straight up getting mad because their point of view is different from me, right? Normally, I'm a pretty conservative person. I, I probably vote more Republican than I vote Democrat, um, <clears throat> but I have voted for both in the past, and uh, I don't really have an allegiance to any party by any stretch of the means. That being said, I, I do tend to be a little bit more conservative in a lot of my my manners of thinking, uh, but I don't know. You know, um, I, I don't know. The... I almost forgot what we were talking about, but <laughs> the the idea that it takes your life and uh, degrades it or files it down, maybe it's they consider that it's something that uh, creates some emotional issues, and, and it does per person. You really do need to evaluate when you're using cannabis about how what does it do. Be really aware of changes, good and bad changes. You need to be aware of, you know, does it calm me down? Does it make me less aggravated so that I can rethink through things like it's doing for me and I can have a better conversation, right? So instead of getting mad at, at Austin for telling me something, I can listen to him and go, oh, he makes a good point. <laughs> you know, because I love Austin. I love hearing about his views. I love to hear about uh, his points of view because it helps me uh, evaluate and, re- and create my points of view as well. So they're important to me. 
Uh, and I want them to be important to me. And to do that, I got to make sure that I, you know, some of us vets, we have this like little blowing up lighter that's just like a little flame that's lit. It doesn't take much and then boom, it just goes off. And for me, it, it helps re, uh, calm that down so that I can pay attention more to other points of view and understand them better. I don't have to participate in it, but I can understand it better. And I think it's important for people. So, no, it doesn't hurt me in that regards. But in the regards that I can tend to get a little over emotional sometimes, I guess, with it. And I think uh, sometimes I can make things in my mind. I start thinking that something's going to happen. And then I make this outlandish idea based on something that hasn't happened yet that could happen. I think we all do that to a certain extent. And so I got to be careful. I always have to remind myself, eh, that's just the weed. <laughs> you know, you got to calm it back down. Well, we need to start wrapping up this this last bit in this episode. Do you have any final thoughts you want to put out? Anything that you, you haven't talked about you want to say? Plug your website, plug Blue Cord. Yeah, go to bluecordfarms.com. That's uh, bluecordfarms.com. I'd say uh, Blue Cord is from the infantry. It's the uh, cord they give the infantry. Uh, I got to have, I'm, we'll have the uh, veterans uh, documentary up here pretty soon. In fact, it's already going on now. I can probably just share the uh, link with you guys and go ahead and submit that and send that out. Guys, take a look at it. Tell me what you think. Uh, if it sucks, let me know. If it's great, let me know. Tell me your ideas for, you know, what kind of shows you'd want to see on there. Because like, we're going to do try to do some more. We'll try to do as much as we possibly can. And uh, the Hemp for Victory education is going to be great, too. So, We'll keep you in, in tabs with what's going on. It's good to see everybody. All righty. We, we appreciate you giving us your time today and being patient with us through all these little difficulties we had recording this. Hey, baby, it's just life. It's yeah, good. we get through it. We're, me and you, we're veterans. We, we know how to tough it out. <laughs> Things happen. Yeah. So that will be it for this week on the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week is episode 40 of the Lone Star Collective. Our guest this week was Robert Head of Blue Cord Farms and Hemp for Victory. I'm joined by co-host Austin Zamorari. We hope everybody has a great week. Be safe and peace and love, everybody. <laughs>